Hi, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I do encourage you to check out my other podcast that looks at brand new movies out in the theaters or on VOD or streaming services, wherever you happen to take in your new movies. I try to cover at least the ones that I'm interested in. You can find that information at my website, quipster.net. Today I'm going to be looking at the second part of a three-part series in which I review films of the 1980s, three films of the 1980s that feature commandos as part of the main cast. Last week we looked at Predator. This week we're going to look at another film that features Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it's a natural choice because it's called simply... Commando. It came out in 1985. It's an R-rated film because of, well, so much violence. Strong violence, language, nudity. The runtime is about an hour and a half. Arnold Schwarzenegger, as I mentioned, is the star. We have supporting roles going to Ray Don Chong, Dan Hedaya, Alyssa Milano, Vernon Wells, James Olsen, David Patrick Kelly, and Bill Duke. The director is Mark L. Lester. The screenplay credited to Stephen E. D'Souza. Commando I have a lot of history with. In fact, when I was a teenager, I remember renting this and being not very enamored of it. I thought it was just too silly and not at all a good movie. Over time, I've tended to like it a little bit more each time, but I've never gotten quite to the point where I fully embraced it, even though I know that there are a lot of people that really love Commando for their own reasons. So because I'm doing a film that specifically looks at the 1980s and what is so great about the movies then try to put on my goggles of you know what it is that people look for, whether it meets those expectations and whether it's successful, and I will give my review. Will I come around on this or will I not? I guess you'll have to listen and find out. Now, Commando's the film that set the mold for the iconic Arnold Schwarzenegger screen persona that we all know today. He really shows off for the first time in his career his charisma, his penchant for one-liners as he delivers kill shots. And prior to Commando, his high-profile roles mostly consisted of minimal dialogue. You had the gruff Conan the Barbarian and its sequel, and there was a more robotic delivery in The Terminator, of course. This one's more in keeping with the many of the one-man army films of the 1980s. You know, that subgenre was popularized by First Blood and the Rambo sequels, and it features high emphasis on bulging biceps, very oiled-up physiques, comic book-level dialogue, very cartoonish scenarios, high kill counts, usually the more the better, and action-figure-ready displays of brawn. Now, unlike Stallone's Rambo series, however... Arnold Schwarzenegger's brand of action usually eschews political motivation. In Rambo, of course, we had the Vietnam soldier experience. This one's more in favor of the personal, what it means to the character, not necessarily for the country. Here, Arnold is fighting for his daughter, not for the government or what he perceives of as the national ideals. Nevertheless, how effortlessly Schwarzenegger assumes this role is impressive, but it's not nearly as impressive as the fact that he inhabits and even epitomizes the all-American soldier and quintessential action hero as a foreigner and this non-native English speaker. That's perhaps the biggest feat that Schwarzenegger makes in his early career with Commando. Now, in Commando, as far as the plot goes, Schwarzenegger stars as Colonel John Matrix. He's a 
highly trained military special ops expert whose unit was disbanded, and he now lives under secret identities in retirement. Matrix spends his days as a single father taking care of his spirited young daughter, Jenny, played by Alyssa Milano. He's promised to Jenny that he would not go out on any more special missions. However, John's hand ends up getting forced. Jenny is abducted by this displaced South American dictator, played by Dan Hedaya, of this banana republic named Valverde, who wants his old gig back. The dictator plans to use Jenny for ransom so that he can get John to put out an assassination on the current leader of Valverde. Now, thinking that Jenny is going to get killed, even if he fulfills these demands, Matrix sets about instead dismantling the small army the dictator has around him with the help of this airline attendant that he encounters named Cindy, played by Radon Chong, on the hope that he can rescue his daughter before she ends up getting killed by the dictator or one of his henchmen. Now, the idea for Commando really started a long time before it was actually made into a movie. It would stay stagnant for years in so-called development hell. Jeff Loeb, or Joseph Loeb, as he sometimes is credited, he would later make his claim to fame writing comic books, most famously. But before that, he was doing screenplays. He wrote the original screenplay with his collaborative partner at that time, Matthew Wiseman, about this former military black ops commando who had trouble escaping his past. Once their screenplay was complete, Loeb and Wiseman had the notion that it would be a starring vehicle for a personal friend of theirs at that time, Kiss guitar god Gene Simmons. They wanted to portray their main character as this former Israeli soldier who escapes his violent past, you know, escaping to the United States only to find that his deadly skills that he thought he had retired for good would end up having to come into play when his wife and daughter would end up getting kidnapped. The bad guys were going to force him onto a plane to complete this mission for them, but then he gets off the plane without their knowledge, and then he sets his watch with a countdown when the plane was slated to be landing, knowing he had until that moment to get his revenge or his wife and child would die for sure. Now, Gene Simmons ended up expressing disinterest in actually pursuing this, so Loeb and Weissman ended up retooling that script, and they had Nick Nolte in mind to star if he would accept. They changed the Israeli ex-soldier to this out-of-shape and out-of-practice former commando from the United States who was coming back from this prolonged stay in the Middle East. Now, the new 20th Century Fox chairman at that time in 1984-ish, Barry Diller, his first order of business was to try to secure a starring vehicle for Arnold Schwarzenegger that could be made for relatively cheap, about 10 or $12 million. He felt that Schwarzenegger was ripe for this leap from stardom to superstardom if he had the right film, the right projects. After looking through seemingly countless scripts, Diller determined that Commando would be the best option if the script were better tailored instead of to Nick Nolte, but to Schwarzenegger's strengths as an actor and personality, a little bit akin to the way that he would handle black exploitation films for Jim Brown that he did in the 1970s. Diller would attach Mark L. Lester to direct. He had experience making exploitation flicks in this vein. Lester was just coming off of the hit Firestarter to direct after producer Joel Silver gave the script to Stephen E. D'Souza. Now, D'Souza had worked for Silver on the screenplay to 48 Hours. They wanted to do this complete overhaul to give a less earthy and less serious tone to the script that Loeb and Weissman had done. They wanted to eschew the reluctance to commit violence, to have the main character actually killing unarmed baddies, just because 
Then they wanted to provide more opportunity for self-aware action genre parody, the larger-than-life personality, the gloriously jacked-up action that would end up resulting in Commando. Additional revisions would end up punching up more of that script with the help of screenwriters like Larry Gross and Richard Tuggle. But many of the tongue-in-cheek quips that you find, the more memorable ones anyway, were improvised during the shoot. Arnold Schwarzenegger has a big sense of humor. He would frequently joke around with the cast and crew, and they would end up throwing out lines that he would say, and he would try them out, and they would end up picking the one that they liked best. Lester envisioned the film like an old James Bond movie where Sean Connery would wryly pun after performing a kill. So many of the punchlines came up on the spot and they ended up using that to kind of lighten the deadliness, I guess a little bit of comic relief during this uh, very high kill count. Now, the new angle taken by this screenplay pleased Schwarzenegger quite a bit. He felt that this could be the one that could break him out of the mold of the sparse dialogue parts like Conan or the Terminator. He didn't have to exist in the past or in the future. It showed him as a modern man with a daughter and a home, a normal guy. He envisioned himself taking roles that John Wayne could play, and deemed this was one of them for good reason. The credited screenwriter Stephen E. D'Souza claims that a lot of the inspiration for Commando came from the tough but jokey tone of John Ford's classic Western called The Searchers, as well as some plot and character elements that he took from the Bogart film, the film noir from 1949 called Tokyo Joe. After some studio execs at Fox balked at Schwarzenegger being cast as an American soldier, they suggested that they find a way to shoot the film without actually having him talk at all. D'Souza ended up working diligently with Schwarzenegger over the dialogue in the film. They wanted to change lines in the dialogue to minimize the instances where his thick Austrian accent would become too obvious. Now, Arnie shows that he has a screen presence here to be a major player in the action movie genre, but that alone is not going to carry a film from awful to good. Although a few of the stunts are nifty, many performed by Schwarzenegger himself because he thought that a stuntman with his build just could not be found. So he had a nasty self-inflicted knife gash on his hand that required a trip to the hospital to get stitches. It was a modest budget film, but it would require a lot of location shooting, so a lot of it had to be done not far from home in central and southern California and places like San Simeon or Santa Barbara, which is where I'm from, Catalina Island and Los Angeles. Fans of the films of the 1980s are also going to recognize a familiar location in the compound of the would-be president of Valverde. This was the same locale, the one that was owned by Harold Lloyd way back in the day. It was the same locale as the mansion abode of the big bad, Victor Maitland, in Beverly Hills Cop. Even so, the shoot was brisk. It started in late April 1985, ended up in theaters in early October. So they really churned this one out very quickly. The casting of Ray Don Chong as Schwarzenegger's comic release sidekick, that tends to yield lesser results here. She doesn't quite have the comic timing of her counterpart, even though she's a little bit more in tune with comedy. She had beat out the likes of Sharon Stone and Bridget Nielsen. Bridget Nielsen starred with Schwarzenegger with Red Sonja that same year. Chong beat them out for the part, primarily because, unlike the other hot actresses of the time, they felt, based on her audition and the fact that she was the daughter of comedian Tommy Chong of Cheech and Chong fame, that she could be sexy and funny at the same time, so she would really fit that role. Her role serves mostly here to try to make comments about the ridiculousness of the aggressive hyper-masculinity that she's witnessing between these brawny men that she encounters and through the extreme contrivances involved in keeping her as part of the plot, especially as she becomes part of the action, that's even more ridiculous. This is a film that you have to embrace 
that it's going to not try to make a lot of sense. It's just trying to really up the entertainment factor in humor and action. The role of the deposed dictator, that's a particularly awful one, I feel, for Dan Hedaya. His bad Spanish accent, his faux tan ups the cheese factor to the point where he can scarcely be taken seriously. Mark L. Lester, the director, was uncomfortable with that as well. He originally intended to cast Raul Julia in the part. Producer Joel Silver, though, insisted Hadaya was more than up to the task. In the end, Lester would be content with the results, though, and he proclaims Commando as his personal favorite film that he's made in his career. Now, Commando would mark Joel Silver's first film production for 20th Century Fox. That would prove to be a lucrative collaboration over the years. He would go on to produce the aforementioned Predator. He produced Die Hard after this. In addition to going after Schwarzenegger as his hero, Silver would also insist on spotlighting the use of weaponry, especially new weaponry, usually not seen on film before, as part of this appealing visual aesthetic that he wanted Commando to espouse he emphasized a wide variety of instruments of death to almost absurdly pornographic proportions. And had this been a comedy, I guess all could be forgiven. But as funny as Commando is for the duration, a lot of the laughs come without intention. In addition to the lack of genuine laughs from Radon Chong as the, the comic really sidekick, there apparently was not much chemistry between her and Arnie as love interests either. That was intended, but it didn't come to fruition. They reportedly were going to have this love scene aboard an airplane as they headed to the private island run by the deposed dictator. But in staging it, they realized not only was it bad timing for the story, but when they tried to go through this, it lacked so much sizzle, it was eventually nixed. Now, even if Arnold Schwarzenegger is not a gifted actor, he's always very fun to watch, especially in the way that he can rise above the schlock to give a very good physical and comic performance. It allows the audience to feel a sense of fun right along with him. When Schwarzenegger is off the screen, however, interest wanes considerably, and unfortunately, the cuts back to the bad guy's lair come a little too frequently for the momentum to not sputter on occasion. Even when Arnold is in front of the camera, He's not really given a lot of uh, script to work with. Action scenes mostly consist of finding new ways for him to dispatch mostly cardboard henchmen until the predictable conclusion pits him with his dictator and Matrix's former comrade, who apparently has an axe to grind and something to prove about being the best soldier in the world. That character is named Bennett, and he's played by Vernon Wells. Now, in Commando, Schwarzenegger shows a lighter and more humorous side than he had shown before. And that caricature that spins into an overriding persona, it seems to match his own natural personality best, and it would become the template for a lot of other Schwarzenegger films to build around from here on out. Mark L. Lester and the team seem to make a concerted effort to get Arnold shirtless whenever possible. They show him chopping wood or carrying giant logs, really ups the titillation factor, glimpsing this Adonis-like physique in its full and oiled-up glory. Now, after originally being turned down after auditioning for the role, that Vernon Wells, he impressed Joel Silver with a psycho performance in another film he produced earlier that year called Weird Science. Wells proves to be a very fun foil for Schwarzenegger. He chews up just as much scenery in his villainy with the kind of off-the-charts zany, some would say homoerotic undertones that he gave to his character in his prior famous performance as Wes in Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Wells says that any gay subtext that he gives to Bennett was completely unintentional. Even Mark L. Lester also disregards this look at that film as well. But a lot of fans refer to the character as Freddie Mercury on steroids. 
His character seems to have quite a bit of respect for John Matrix and his prowess for combat to the point where it does actually come across kind of like a sexual need to prove his madhood once they actually get into each other's presence. So certainly that homoerotic subtext can easily be read into this film and feel justified. Now, Vernon Wells at this time, he was a little bit portly, and he was flown in from Australia kind of at the last moment after the originally cast Wings Hauser was fired by Mark L. Lester on the first day of shooting because he just didn't seem to click as this maniacal counterbalance to Arnold's larger-than-life portrayal of Matrix. Wells would have to wear the this too-tight wardrobe. It was designed for Wings Hauser's smaller frame, and that further didn't complement the paunchier physique that he was sporting at the time. And due to the fact that he seemed like a really nice guy when he came over and he was somewhat holding back when he was rehearsing the scenes, Schwarzenegger, he was initially skeptical that Vernon Wells could handle this role physically or menacingly. He even reportedly called him a bit of a wuss to the director, thought that they should get somebody else. However, once they got into this actual scene where they filmed where Wells had to put a knife to Arnie's neck... His wild-eyed intensity, his humorously winking attitude in his performance won Arnie over, and it resulted in that necessary counterbalance they were looking for to Schwarzenegger's resolve. In fact, Wells' performance in that scene felt so intense to Arnold Schwarzenegger that Schwarzenegger insisted that any scene involving Bennett using a knife would have to be with a plastic prop. He was not trusting him to go too far. Wells' character infatuation with being the one to take out Matrix makes their tango at the end quite a bit of fun to observe, even if the tension is not entirely palpable from a storytelling standpoint. And despite Schwarzenegger's quibbles on Wells' casting, they ended up becoming friends during the shoot, and they remain good friends to this day. And that kind of extends to Alyssa Milano as well. She was 12 years old at the time. She also found friendship with Arnie during the making of Commando. She even claimed that Arnold Schwarzenegger helped her with the algebra portion of her homework on occasion during the shoot. Now, some of the lines that are used in Commando seem a bit familiar. They, they, like I said, tended to go with things that they knew Arnold could say and say with certainty without the Austrian accent getting in the way. Wrong, I'll be back, and F you, a-hole. <laughs> those were three of the lines that he uses in Commando that he also delivered in equally monotone fashion in The Terminator just a year before. Now, this was one of the main films made in the 1980s that realized the potential for playing up its ridiculousness to the max. And the makers seemed to relish going far over the top in its camp value to make for an entertaining time. During the shoot, Mark L. Lester saw how many people John Rambo would kill in Rambo 2. He went to the movie theater and saw that. He knew he had to top that for Arnold. He upped the kill count for the movie Commando, specifically to outdo Rambo. During the scene where Matrix begins to attack the dictator's compound and kills in this film go into the triple digits, stuntmen would have to change their appearance because they were going to get killed several times. They had to put on fake mustaches or fake hats and just do it all over again because they had more kills than they had actual people to kill. The cost of this killing extravaganza did end up putting a huge dent into the budget of Commando, however, to the point where it became too costly to shoot the actual intended ending of the film. That ending was going to involve John Matrix chasing Bennett on speedboats, and they would end up having this knife fight on the beach of another island to the death. They ended up having to have that final knife fight in a basement instead. Now, Commando was a very big hit for Arnie in 1985. It became the number one movie in the country the first week of its release and the next two weeks of its release, three weeks in a row, number one 
in the United States at the box office. All told, it racked up $35 million in the United States, and it added another $22 million internationally, all of that on a reported budget of about 9 to $10 million. This is a film that, at the time, for a long time, it was more highly regarded internationally than it had been in the United States, especially in Russia. They would even do a remake of Commando. It was so popular there in 2008, and they put a big Russian action star named Mikhail Porochenkov in the main role there. In 2010, there were rumors that surfaced about an attempt to do another Hollywood remake. Nothing did materialize, however. It is also a favorite film for moviegoers in Japan. It really catapulted Alyssa Milano. She was kind of a big star there over the years. Her popularity in this film and in Japan caused one Japanese record company executive to offer Milano a five-record deal as a singer, even though she was not known for being a singer. All five records ended up going the equivalent of platinum in Japan. She's very popular in Japan. And so is this movie. Now, although Commando ends with this notion that there would be no return of John Matrix as an action hero, Stephen E. D'Souza still would end up writing a screenplay draft for a sequel the following year. They had revisions done with the aid of Frank Darabont and Predators. John McTiernan was tagged as a potential director for this follow-up. D'Souza revealed many, many years later that the plot involved John Matrix running his own security firm, and he was hired by this major corporation to protect their executives and their other assets. But he soon discovers that this corporation is not on the up and up. They're doing illegal arms sales as uh, their actual main source of revenue. And he would have to go one-man army once again to take down not only the corporation, but also all of the super macho security guards that he had hired for them. And that results in this ending where he has to break into the building that he himself was tasked to make ultra-secure in order to save Radon Chong and Alyssa Milano's characters who are trapped there with the bad guys in the building. Now, some have claimed that many elements of this screenplay would eventually get used as the script for Die Hard, which was coincidentally directed by John McTiernan and was co-written by D'Souza. But D'Souza still vehemently denies this as the case. He states that Die Hard was directly adapted from the Roderick Thorpe novel, Nothing Lasts Forever. There happens to be some coincidences there, but he definitely did not retool Commando to be Die Hard, despite the fact that a lot of people do still think that he did. Now, getting back to Commando from 1985, admittedly, there's not a lot of interesting plot to follow if you're somebody who likes to follow plots or really get into characters here. They're thinly defined. They're colorful, though. Many facets of them are definitely very memorable. But Commando's appeal, I think, still is limited to seeing Arnold rack up a high kill count without much need for a lengthy explanation. It's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, and for the longest time, it was not my cup of tea. If you're a huge fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger or just wantonly violent and grandiosely preposterous action flicks, I think Commando is probably already a favorite film of yours. And I have to say, it did win me over. I actually enjoyed watching Commando for this week's review. In fact, I watched it twice for the purpose of this review, because I was on the fence. I was like, can I really recommend this film knowing that it is a big, dumb action movie? Well, the makers of the film also know it was a big, dumb action movie. In fact, they set out to make a big, dumb action movie, one that didn't have any of the pretense of the Rambo series. They just really wanted to showcase what Arnold Schwarzenegger can do. And 
it does deliver. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a delight in this film, and the absurd proportions of the actual violence manages to temper the fact that it is a very bloody and violent movie to the point where you just cannot take it seriously. If you embrace it early on, you'll have a great time. And I do think that Commando is very effective in that way. And it was a very influential movie, not only in Schwarzenegger's career, but the fact that you know so many action movies, especially through the 1990s, really dug into this kind of action movie filmmaking. Big and dumb and over the top. And that's why a lot of people love those films. And, you know, I have a problem with that most of the time. But Commando for setting the mold, I think, should get some credit at the very least. Now, the director's cut is out there. It does add not a lot. It adds like a minute and a half, a little bit over that, for uh, additional footage reveals a few things like the reason why Matrix is a single father and some of his backstory and why he's so keen on spending as much time as he can with his daughter. So it does give a little bit more nuance to his character. I don't think it makes the film any better than you would probably think it was even without those elements. So I'm going to give Commando three stars out of four. Three stars on my scale means I do think that this is a worthwhile film for those people who like this kind of movie. If you're a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, how could you not like Commando? It pretty much is Arnold Schwarzenegger like personified. He would do variations on this character multiple times throughout his career. So it's hard to believe that somebody could love Arnold Schwarzenegger and hate Commando. I do think that... Commando is very firmly embraced by his fans. Action movie lovers, especially of action movies in the 1980s, are going to love this film as well. So I do think that it delivers all of the goods and some of the bads that you would expect from a big, dumb action movie. Three stars out of four for Commando. As far as what I'm going to be getting into next week, keeping up with Commandos in films of the 1980s, we're going to go into a little bit of well, we had a couple of Green Beret films. Now we're going to get into Delta Force here. So a little bit more Army special ops action with Delta Force, which came out the following year from Commando. And it stars another big action movie star from the 1980s. I think this is the first, this is 101 films in. I'm finally getting to a Chuck Norris film. Chuck Norris, Lee Marvin, and many others, Robert Forster, are in this film, uh, plane gets hijacked, Delta Force sent in to resolve the crisis. That's going to be my review for next week. So check out The Delta Force from 1986 for next week's review, and you'll stay caught up on that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoy the review of Commando. If you have your own thoughts on Commando, whether you actually love the movie even more than me, I think a lot of people do, or actually think the movie sucks a lot more than me, and a lot of people do that, too. You can write to me. You can find my contact information at my website. You can go to quipster.net and find all of the details on that, at least on my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, my Instagram. All of that is available at quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Until next time, thanks, everyone, for joining me on this journey around the world in 80s movies. Oh,